Oh, good morning. Good morning. Wow, it's, it's a good day. Amen. My brother over there, a Jaguars fa- fan, the Titans, they beat you last week. I was like surprised. I had such a great, I had such a great week. But last week, as I was getting ready to come to church, I could see my eyes were all itchy. I started getting congested, so I had to take my allergy medicine before I came. So I grab a half-drunk water that I had from the day before, but I forgot my satchel in the car. So I had to take it up to go get my allergy medicine, and uh, my, my neighbor, she's so jealous, she calls this a, a merce. She said, it's a man purse. But I said, it's a satchel. And she always wants to know what's in here. And I was like, you show me what's in your purse, and I'll show you what's in my satchel. (laughs) So we get ready. We go up to the car. My wife's like, I'm going to go walk to the, uh, the mailbox and put something in the mailbox, and you pick me up. So I'm like, okay. So I go to the car. I get my allergy medicine, and I take it, and I take a big swig. And then at first, I'm like, oh, this tastes like lemonade. And then it's like, ah. What I didn't realize is that it was actually liquid hydroponic fertilizer that I drank. So there's two things that you can learn from this, and I hope you take away one of them. And the first one is that I am not the sharpest tool in the shed. (laughs) And the second one is to listen to Pastor Thomas because he told me more than two years ago when I was teaching a class to the church people that I should label them so no one ever mistakes it for water because it's clear. And I said, I've been doing this, Thomas, for six years. I have never drunk it. And, And so listen to Pastor Thomas. But this morning, as we continue our series on the seasons of life, I want to talk about a subject that I think affects all of us, probably during every season of our life. And that is trusting God with our money. There's like hardly anything for free anymore. I used to live at the library, the public library. You can still borrow books for free, but if you lose your library card, they're going to charge you for another one. If you want to rent a music CD or a DVD, you have to pay a fee to rent it. When I was growing up, the zoo used to be free to go to. And now they charge you. The movies, I think you've got to have your master's degree if you want to take your children with you because everything costs so much. We're going to look at what the Bible has to say on this subject. And so we're going to be looking in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verses 7 to 12. 
And I'll tell you what was happening at this time during Israel's history. The Israelites had just returned. They had been back in the promised land for a hundred years from being in exile in Babylon. They had rebuilt the temple of God. And they kind of were falling away from God. They were bringing animals with defects, sick animals, as offerings and as sacrifices. And the priests of the temple were actually saying it was okay. We'll take these and we'll make, use these as your offering. You know, there was a lot of injustice going on, a lot of poverty. The Israelite men, they were marrying foreigners. And then they started worshiping their wives' gods. So there was a lot of idolatry going on. And so we pick up in Malachi chapter 3. And this discussion is God is having with the Israelite people. And they're like, where are you, God? You abandoned us. And God says, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there that there will be not enough room, there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You know, thinking about the condition of Israel when the Lord is having this discussion, I almost feel like that's the America I live in today. And so I want to go back into the book of Deuteronomy. And I believe it is Deuteronomy 12. And I want to look at verses 5 to 7. Because this is what the Lord told them. But you are to seek the place the Lord your God would choose from among all your tribes to put his name there for his dwelling. To that place you must go. There, bring your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and your special gifts that you have vowed to give and your free will offerings and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. 
There in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your family shall eat and shall rejoice in everything you have put your hand to, because the Lord your God has blessed you. As a young Christian, I got the opportunity to go on a short-term mission to Nicaragua in Central America. And it was after a hurricane had hit several months before, and we were supposed to go and help them rebuild a school. Because like what happened in, in, uh, with Hurricane Florence, things are flooded, schools are destroyed, so we go up there. And we go to their church on a Sunday. And these people are poor. It is a third world country. And I see in the front of the church, there are some huge sacks. It looks like 100, 200 pound sacks, burlap bags, stacked about this high. Two stacks. And next to it, just stalks of cooking bananas or plantains laying there. So I asked the missionary who was hosting our, our team, what is all that stuff up there? And he said, these people are so poor, this is the first fruits of their labor, the first of their harvest. He said, those bags are filled with beans. And with the beans and the bananas, the ladies of the church, they actually cook it and they sell it. And they use that money to support their church. And it made me think, wow, that's what I read about in the Bible. And so as a new Christian, I hear a couple messages on tithing and how God will bless you if you tithe. And so based on seeing this and my situation, I actually was newly divorced. I was trying to keep my house for my daughter. So I was not only working full-time as a firefighter, I was working two part-time jobs. And partly for the money, but partly because I didn't want to think about things. I didn't want to think about my situation. And out of the blue, I get a phone call from somebody I go to Ohana Group with. And they say, Matt, have you ever considered tithing? And I'm like, what? I was like, God knows where I'm at. I can barely pay my mortgage. I can barely pay my child support. How am I supposed to tithe? I don't think I can tithe. Several days later, I get a call from someone else who I go to small group with. Matt, do you tithe? And I was like, no. I don't know if I have enough money to pay my mortgage this month. And she said, oh, you should pray about it. So that started me praying about whether I should really start tithing. Because to me, it was a trust issue. 
and I can read what it says, but it's a kind of hard pill to swallow. So after a couple weeks, I felt like, okay, God, this is the only place you say in your word to test you, so I am going to test you on this. I'm going to start giving you 10% of my income. So I do. My mom's moving out of her big house because it's too much to manage, just my mom and my dad there. So I sell all my tools. I have a, I have a sailboat. I have all kind of stuff. And so I have a lot of cash because we have a garage sale. And when men come to garage sale, they go mental over tools, right? And so I start tithing. Except because I'm giving 10% of my income, I cannot pay all my bills. So I'm thinking, oh, I'll just pay them whatever I can. And then they'll add it to the next month, and I'll try to catch up. After I mail my check-in, they actually mail it back, because they want the full payment. They don't take partial payments. And now I'm starting to accrue interest because I'm late. So I call my wife, who actually I just know. She started coming to church, and we're in the same Ohana group together, and I'm telling her, oh, yeah, I felt like I have to trust God, and I'm going to tithe, and I don't have enough to pay my mortgage, so I'm just going to do that and see what God does. And she's a financial person. And I remember having discussions with her about why I would do that. I have enough money to pay my bills, but I choose not to. I choose to tithe and not pay my mortgage. So I'm thinking, okay, I need help. So I go to legal aid, and I talk to them. And she says... You know, if you stop giving this money to the church, you'll be fine. And I told the lawyer, you know, I really feel like God wants me to trust him on that. So I am not going to stop giving money to the church. She threw her hands up in the air and like, well, if that's your attitude, there's nothing I can do for you. So I actually moved out of my house, and at 40 years old, I asked mom and dad if I could move in with them. And of course, they let me, because you're always their baby. So I moved in with mom and dad. I was able to rent my house, and everything was good. I didn't realize that two years after this, the lady I had met at Ohana Group would become my wife. She had her own house. When I moved out of my house, I called up the firemen to help me move. I had a piano, furniture, massage chair, I said, whatever you want, you can have for free. They were like vultures. 
They took everything out of my house. So I keep telling my wife, don't worry about all the stuff I have. Call the firemen. They'll take everything I have because that's all gold to them. They will take everything. In the book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 41, it's recorded that Jesus goes to the temple and he takes a seat across where everyone is putting their offering. And the crowd comes by and they're throwing in money. He sees a lot of rich people throw in large sums of money. And then he sees a poor widow. She comes and she puts in two small copper coins worth a few cents. Jesus, he calls his disciples to him. And he says, truly I tell you, this poor widow has given more than everyone else. Because they gave out of their wealth. And she in her poverty, gave everything she had. Everything she had to live on. God doesn't need our money. It's a condition of our heart. He wants access to even our finances. And he wants us to trust him. The blessings that I have experienced since I started tithing close to 20 years ago, I have never worried about money since then. Money has never been an issue between me and my wife and whether we should tithe or not. I see my blessing as God giving me a second chance. I am still the same person who got divorced the first time. But God sent me a wife who has no quit in her. And I am a difficult person to live with. The blessing that I have is seeing the excitement on my mom's face when she tells me, they wrote about me in the newspaper. Can you believe it? And I'm going to read that to you because she was so excited. There's a, a coffee house in the beginning of Waikiki. It's called Wailana Coffee House. They're closing on October 15th. It used to be called 
Kapiolani Drive-In. And this is what my mom writes in the newspaper. Beverly Zane says she met her future husband, Harold, at the 1951 Roosevelt Senior Dinner at Lao Yi Chai's. After that, we went to Kapiolani Drive-In for dessert and an orange freeze. It was so ono. I married Harold two years later, and we will celebrate our 65th wedding anniversary on August 29th. It's been a long run with five children, nine grandchildren, and eight great-grandchildren. We still go to Wailani Coffee House on special occasions. I actually had the opportunity to take them there two weeks ago. And sure enough, they're holding hands, making goo-goo eyes at each other, talking about them coming there 67 years prior. My blessing is having a daughter who I can worship with, who uses the gifts that she possesses to further the kingdom of God. My blessing is being able to witness most of the 65 years of my parents' marriage, the highs and the lows. And even though my dad's in bad shape now, medically, I can't believe that my mom takes care of him by herself. My blessing is that I'm still able to make my dad laugh for maybe 15, 30 seconds. And for just that short period of time, he doesn't feel the pain that is racking his body. I believe he experiences the joy of God. My blessing is seeing this lady sitting here, Tony, because we were praying for her. She was super sick in the hospital, and they thought she was going to die. And praise God, I get to witness that. My blessing is to be able to see your triumphs, to, able, to be able to pray for your challenges. It's not the money that God is concerned about. It's the condition of our heart. And it's my heart that as you trust God with your finances, that he would open the floodgates of heaven and that he would pour out such a huge blessing that you will not be able to contain it, that it would overflow on your family and your children and your parents it would be so much that it would, it would overflow on your neighbors. It would overflow at your workplace, on your boss, on your coworker, on that person that's mean to you. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we close? <clears throat>